0: I wonder what's for lunch. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, um, that probably seemed really weird to you. And you're, you'd be absolutely correct in that. But hey, we're glad you're here this Sunday. We had a great Sunday last last week. You know, uh, over two thousand twenty-one hundred people here and uh, a good football game. Old guys won again. Uh, yeah. Not by much, it was pretty close, but it was a great time, and uh, thank you for being here, and being a part of that, and being here uh, this, this Sunday. We've been talking about shadow missions now for a couple of weeks. Uh, basically, a shadow mission is anything in life, good or bad, that can distract you from the, your real mission, the primary mission that God has for you. Pastor Kevin took us through the story of the book of Esther, and, and how she came to realize her ultimate mission And the part she played in saving uh, the people of Israel. Today we're going to look in the New Testament. Luke chapter 10. If If you have a Bible you can turn there. The story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And if you know that story, you know it's very much about Martha living in a way that's distracted from what's most important. Where she lets her shadow mission sort of take over. And what we know is this. Some of the characteristics I think that show up in her tend to show up in us when we let our shadow mission take over. See, when we're living for something that isn't our primary objective in life that God has for us, and then when things go wrong, we'll tend to respond with some of the same reactions that we see in Martha. And uh, we see her in this story get critical. She gets critical of her sister Mary. Um, She gets questioning She questions Jesus. She gets demanding. and She demands of Jesus. And because of all that, her life right here is very complicated. And that's what we see in her. And again, it's those reactions like hers that we'll see in ourselves when our shadow mission is taken over. So we're in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, if you have a Bible. Again, it says this. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village. We know that village was the village of Bethany. That's where... Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, they all lived in this little village called Bethany, just outside Jerusalem, about two miles. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And this is a perfect story for us right now. As we get ready for Thanksgiving and then Christmas and everything going on, and we got all the preparations that are going to go into that, even this week, all the all the you know maybe family coming in and food to be prepared and everything going on, and then we'll do all the shopping and the the decorating and all that that's happening. Here's something very similar happening in Martha's life. She's getting ready. She's got company coming in. We believe at this point she probably is a widow. She's been left to a home that uh, we know that as we see Martha and Mary and Lazarus uh, uh, show up several times in the Gospels, they seem to have a prominent place in society. They seem to have, have be well off, and so hosting is a thing that she's probably done a fair amount of. And so now here's some company coming in, and she takes the lead like we'd see her do in other stories. She's at the door inviting Jesus in, a great hostess. There's a lot of good things about Martha. Jesus came to their home a number of times, and we see her, in, like in John 12, verse 2, it says, so they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. That's the way she is. She's very servant-oriented. She's just that type of lady. She's the type that had plenty of food there, and the food would have been great, A lot like we're going to do in a few days. You know, we're going to have more food than we can possibly consume in one meal. And there's no doubt that she has her house spotless. It's immaculate. She does everything she can to keep it all together and make it all come out right. It's so important to her. She's got company. And this is vital to her. But notice what happens. We know what's going on. Mary's not seeing it that way. Instead of helping Martha with what she sees as vitally important, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. By the way, that wasn't typical for that time. Ladies didn't sit at the feet of a teacher because that was a learning position, and that type of learning in their culture was limited only to men. But Jesus comes along, he opens that up and allows Mary to sit at his feet listening to his word. On the other hand, Martha is distracted with all her preparations. That's the way her life's going at this moment. Distracted. And distracted living, it's sort of like distracted driving. It can be dangerous for us. It's where we don't we end up not being able to accomplish what God has for us. It's 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 we're we're not able to have the life that, that he intends where we are full and free and fulfilling. It's actually the word, this word distracted, is actually the word perispatomai. In the Greek, it means to be pulled away, being pulled away. That's what happens. When we live distracted from our main mission, we're pulled away. We get all involved in doing things, sometimes very good things, like even serving, but we're pulled away from our real mission and that's where the danger point comes in. So Martha begins to react. Again, in ways that are common to those who are living for something other than the, than the primary mission that God has for us. We see first that she questions Jesus. And we've all heard there's, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And normally that may be right. But it's not true here. She asked Jesus one of the most ridiculous questions ever asked. Do you not care? Jesus, don't you care? That was a ridiculous question then. It's still a ridiculous question for people to ask today. No matter what's going on in our lives, to ask that question shows a complete lack of understanding of what he's like. We all know, of course he cares. If you're a follower of Christ, you've experienced that day in and day out since the day you gave your life to him. And before that actually, his care was always there for you. He provided for you. And so our own personal experience tells us that even if life's not going so well right now, our own personal experience tells us he cares. But also we've got God's word that tells us over and over again that he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, casting all your anxiety or care on him because he cares for you. So we can just sort of put that to bed. No matter what's happening, we can be clear on this. He cares for us. Of course, when we get distracted, sometimes we fail to see that. And so maybe we begin to question him. Question is care. Martha's distracted. She's pulled away with all her preparation, so she's questioning. The next thing that happens to us, we see she gets critical, critical of Mary. She says, my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. It sounds like a typical sibling complaint, doesn't it? I mean, she, just, she left me alone. Mom, you know, that's, that's the way typically siblings fight. See, instead of focusing on what God wants for her, Martha is all focused on herself. And because of that, she's critical of Mary. That's the way it works. You want to know if you're focused on the mission God has for you, on that primary mission? Take a good look at the level of criticism you have towards others. How much time? Are you sitting back evaluating everything and everyone else? Because if we're constant critics... There's a very good chance that we've pulled away and we won't fulfill that mission God has for us. Martha then shows another typical characteristic of pursuing a shadow mission. She gets demanding. And of all the people she could give demands to, she does it here to Jesus. Yikes. You know, what are you thinking, Martha? Just tell her to help me. Jesus, tell her to help me. Martha, do you know who you're talking to? Because you're, you're demanding of the Son of God. And the strange answer is Martha knew that. She knew who, she, who she's talking. She describes him in John eleven when Jesus is coming to raise Lazarus, raise her brother from the dead. She goes out to meet him, and as they're talking, he asks her a question: "Martha, do you believe?" And then she answers this way: John eleven twenty seven. She said to him, "Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God." even he who comes into the world. That's a great statement. It's a great statement about who Jesus is. I believe you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're that anointed one that we've been waiting for that was promised to us. We, I know you're, you're the one. You are the son of God. I, Jesus, I, I know exactly the son of God. That means you're God himself standing here in front of me. You're he who comes in the world. All of that is accurate. She's exactly right. The one that they were expected to come, who would become a part of, of this life. Martha knew who Jesus was, and still she chose to make a demand of him. And if we're not careful, even though we may know him, we'll start doing the same thing. God. I've got this situation going on, God, this is it. Let me tell you about it. And we should tell him about it. He tells us to tell him about things and to make our requests, the key word there, requests. And then we start doing this and, and, and we tell him, and then we, if we're not careful, we'll start demanding that he fix it. God, this is the situation. I don't like it, God. Fix it. And and God, by the way, it's not been fixed in the exact time that I want it fixed. And so now, as people will talk about today, they're mad at God. Mad at God. Demanding from God um, doesn't work. It didn't work for Martha, and it won't work for us. And it's clear proof that we're not doing the mission that God sent us to do. We're serving our shadow mission. It's all about us. So Martha, she's got all this going on. She's critical. She's questioning. She's demanding. And so Jesus goes to deal directly with it. And he says to her, Martha, Martha. Martha. You know, as soon as he says that, she's probably thinking, uh oh. I mean, she's thinking, you know, he, he could have just said Martha. But no, he said Martha, Martha. And, and the difference between saying Martha and saying Martha, Martha is not good. This is not good. It's probably a lot like the feeling maybe you used to get when your mom would use your full name. Remember? You know, you know something's coming. It's not good. You know, you know. Okay, some correction is coming. So she hears Martha, Martha. She's probably knows something's coming. She, he, there's something serious. You know, when when your mama used your full name, you did. You know, you'd done something wrong, and maybe you didn't know what it was yet, but you knew some correction was coming. She knows some correction is coming, and what Jesus does here is correction. But it's interesting; he does it. He does it very sympathetically. He's sort of feeling, I think, her pain. He sympathizes with her. And you know what? He sympathizes with us too. Even when we get distracted, when we get pulled away from that mission that he has for us, it's not like he, he's sort of, oh, there they go again. I'm gonna, you know, you know I'm, I'm gonna distance myself from them because they've distanced themselves from me. No, he doesn't do that. We get all distracted, and you, you know what he does to us? He comes to us sympathetically. Why? When we pull away, why would he sympathize with us? It's our bad. Why would he sympathize with us? Because... Just like with Martha, he loves us and he knows there's something much better that we're missing out on. He loves us. He wants the better for us. So he says to Martha, 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 you're worried about and bothered about so many things. Boy, if there's one line in scripture that could describe the lives of so many people today in our time, it's that line. You're worried and bothered about so many things. Worried. Well, you know, we're, and, and you know, the, the most, I think one of the most negative things about worry is that it, that it causes us to fail in the main reason we're here. It's pulling us away from that. It's distracting us, pulling us away because we're so caught up in it and we're bothered. There's so much to do. Our calendars are full about so many things. You know, that's the other thing about serving a, a, a shadow mission and living for that. Life gets complicated when we're doing that. So many things because we're never sure where to go and what to do next. It's running from one thing to another. We're trying to get it all done. And we all know that over the next few weeks that's exactly the way if we're not careful that we're going to be living our life until after the holidays. We're going to get all wrapped up in all the stuff we've got going on and we're going to and it's going to go by and we're going to be looking for some Breath of air, just to get, a, just to relax a little bit, and it's going to go by, and we're going to be worried and bothered about so many things. We're going to go from sun up to sundown, and still feel like we're not sure what we've accomplished. Well, the Bible presents something much less complex, and it shows up with Mary. It's so simple and so direct. Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. It's like all the other stuff. It may be fine. It may be good. But we get wrapped up in all the fine, good stuff that isn't necessary. There's one thing. You know, it's like, it's like the meal on Thursday. You know, we all, we all get that what we're going to do is there's going to be one thing that's the, the main course, right? The, the, probably the turkey. That's the main thing. And all this other stuff, you know, the dressing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom used to fix the best. Oh, I mean, oh, it is unbelievable Dressing. But all that other stuff, it's just, it's the sides, right? It's not the main thing. And we can get all caught up in the sides. And if we're not careful, miss the main thing. That's what we do with life. Got all this stuff going on, and and, and we miss the main thing. Jesus said, there's one thing that's necessary. That sounds refreshing, doesn't it? If you're, if you're thinking right now through your calendar and all you got to do in the next week or whatever, and you're thinking, well, it's just, oh, man, there's all this stuff. You know what? There's only one thing in life that's necessary. Only one thing I have to do. There's only one thing, actually, that I have to accomplish. Sounds so simple, and it is. But what's the one thing? He says, Mary's chosen the good part. Well, everybody wants the good part. What's the good part? I want you to think about a couple other passages of Scripture for just a second. Proverbs 20, excuse me, Psalms 27.4 says, David says this, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David says there's one thing. There's one thing I'm asking. There's one thing I want to get done. God, this is it. I'm going to think about you, your goodness, your greatness, your mercy. I'm going to focus on him. David, this is the one thing. And think about the greatest commandment. Remember Jesus was asking Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. This is the one thing. See, those passages in this story about Martha and Mary, they all have something in common. They're all about loving God and enjoying his presence Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, loving Him and enjoying His presence—that's the one thing. That's the good part. That's what we got to accomplish. I need to love God. I need to love God day in and day out, from morning to night. That's the one thing I need to get done. I don't have to, you know, none of the other stuff is absolutely necessary. It's just the sides. I need to get done this. And that makes life much more simple. Loving him, enjoying his presence. So how do I do that? Well, I think like Mary, we need to listen to him speak. If if we're going to love him and enjoy his presence, we need to listen to him. And where does he speak to us? His word, right? Right? This is where he has spoken. It's not in some contemplative prayer thing like some people talk about today. It's not, no, where he has spoken to us is his word. So if we're gonna love him and enjoy his presence, we need to get into his word. Good news, you're here listening to his word. But the more you can get into it, the more times you can get, the more time you can spend, it, all the better. Get into his word because it's there that we find life. Deuteronomy 8.3, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, and he says this, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Get that listening to him is where life comes from. And loving him means we're going to listen to him. Because that's what you do when you love someone, right? You listen to them. And when you love someone, you'll also talk about them. You know, we, had, we have our three daughters, Christy, Kaylee, and Carrie, and I've watched all of them, and now I've watched Luke. Fall in love. (laughs) And what I've noticed is that as they fell in love, that they all talked a lot about the person they fell in love with. It's normal. I said, that's what you'd expect, right? If we're going to love him and enjoy him, we're going to talk about him. It's not something forced. It's not some hyper-spiritual talk that we sort of make up. It's just what's going to come straight out of our heart. And talk about him. It's normal and it's natural for us to talk about him. Talk about him with those who know him. Talk about him with those who don't. We're going to talk about him. David said this, Psalm 34.1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, if we're doing our real mission and we're loving Him and we're enjoying what's going to come out of our mouths won't be questioning, it won't be criticizing, it won't be demanding all those things we see in Martha. No, what comes out will be centered on praising Him. We'll talk about Him. And the third thing I'd point out to you is if we're going to love him, and enjoy him, is that we'll be obedient to him. If you love him, you'll choose obedience. You'll choose, when, when temptation comes, you'll choose to do what he's told you to do. Jesus said in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So, we'll choose obedience. And we can do that. We know that we can choose obedience. The Bible tells us we can do that. It's not like we, you know, I'm, oh, I'm trapped in some sin and I can't get out of it and I can't stop. You know what the book of Romans, chapter 6, tells us is that we've been set free from sin. We no longer have to choose it. We can choose to be obedient. So, if we love him and enjoy his presence, we'll choose obedience. See, I think what Mary was doing, sitting at Jesus' feet, that wasn't really the thing in itself that Jesus was pointing out to Martha as the necessary thing, as the one thing. I mean, it's not not about posture and position. You know, Judas could have been in that room, as far as we know, he could have been sitting there. It's not her posture, it's her heart. That's what was the one thing. That's what that's what was different about it is that her heart was fully given to Jesus. The one thing that Mary had was loving him. And the result of that is in our lives that it brings simplicity. It brings life down to its very focus. God's words tells us, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whatever then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, loving him and enjoying his presence. Colossians three twenty three. whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. See, when we're focused on him and whatever we're doing, we're doing for him, that keeps life simple and uncomplicated. The question is, is no longer, hey, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? How do I do this? How do I do that? The only question we have to answer is the, the, the one thing, the best part, whatever I'm doing, am I loving God in it? Because we can be very busy We can be as busy as Martha. We can be busy as we're going to be over these next few weeks. And in in all that, we can still be focused on, with all this, I am loving God. I am enjoying his presence. And it can be good. Or we can be seated at his feet, listening to his word. And loving him and enjoying his prayer. It doesn't matter what we're doing as long as that is what's getting accomplished in our life. So my challenge to you today is to take a good look at your life. What's being produced? Is it complex? Or is it simple? Simple. Is there a lot of questioning going on in your, in your heart and your mind? Is there, are, are you questioning? Are you criticizing? Are you demanding? Or are you simply loving God and enjoying Him whatever you are doing? That's a good way to live life. That's, that's just so refreshing. Going to work tomorrow? I'm gonna love God and I'm gonna enjoy his presence. Staying at home, I got kids to take care of or a house to clean or whatever, I'm gonna love God, I'm gonna enjoy his presence. I gotta prepare a big meal on Thursday, I'm gonna love God enjoy his presence. Take a good look. Make sure you're not being pulled away from the mission. That God's given to you. We're going to close in prayer in just a minute. Uh, One of the things I want to do uh, is express thanks to you for being a part of Operation Christmas Child, and we want to pray for these boxes. They're going to go out today, and we're going to pray for them. Not only that, kids will enjoy the, the the presents but that they also will come to know the one who can bring real meaning to their lives. That's the most important thing, right? That they'll come to know him and serve him, and they'll understand what it is to love him and enjoy his presence. And then next week, we're going to be doing in, in December again the You've Been Gifted cards. You can be a part, and we'll talk about that more next week. But uh, you can be a part this year of introducing someone to the one who can bring to them meaning and purpose in life so that they can love him and enjoy his presence. Make sure this year that's where you're at. Let's stand and let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your uh, grace to us. You've given those of us who have taken that step of faith, of trusting in your son, new life, with purpose. And God, we want to love you. And God, in loving you, enjoy the fact that you are with us through every moment of every day. Thank you for the, the beauty of that and the simplicity of that in our lives. God, we pray, we do pray for these boxes they are going to go out today. They're going to go all over the world. And there will be children in places that we uh, haven't begun to think of yet that will take this box and open it up. They'll get gifts, Father, hopefully that they'll enjoy, that will bring uh, uh, some necessities to them. Hopefully some things, God, that they'll just be able to have fun with. But God, most of all, we pray that those children would come to know you. You would reach into their lives and give them new life. And Father, we pray that right here in in our area, that we would be a part of reaching into the lives of others here. God, that they would come to know you. And we pray that through the... um, You've been gifted series and the uh, and, uh, and, uh, um, cards, God, that you would um, use our church to impact our area for you. And God, in that process and all that we've got to do, help us, Father, to stay focused, not to be pulled away from the mission you've given us to do, but to love you, God, and to enjoy you every moment of every day. Thank you, God, and thank you for this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You're dismissed.